Hallelujah. Praise God. God is good. Amen. Not just because we say it, not just because it's a cliche, but he has been good to you. He's been good to me. If you're new here today, I can tell you God is going to be good to you. Amen. God is good. It's so good to be in church today and I'm excited to preach the word. We've seen so many people just telling us and talking to us about how the message today, not just the message, the service today just blessed their hearts and gave them a bit more strength to continue to pursue what God has put on their lives. And I know that's going to do the same thing for you today. I know God is moving in this place. I know that um, that the Holy Spirit is already touching people's hearts and uh, and, and that the people are going to give their lives to Christ today. You know, we believe in preaching the truth. We're just going to preach the whole truth. Nothing but the truth. And um, we're seeing lives transformed, families restored, lost people come to faith in Jesus Christ. I love pastoring this church. You know, it's just uh, the greatest call that God could put on someone's life outside of their family. I just love what God's doing here. And I, I thank you for your honor and your, your thankfulness and gratefulness towards Lauren and I and our family. Um, it's only been a couple of years that I've actually let the team do that. Um, like, it's funny, I, uh, I've always wanted a church that has a culture of honor and we wanted it to be up, down and all around, you know, not just up. And, uh, but for so long, I just didn't, you know, pastor appreciation month, I'm like, whatever, you know, can we not do that? And so we never did anything about it ever. And basically a couple of years ago, it might've been, I don't know, maybe it was last year or the year before, it was very recent. Um, I basically got kicked out and told, this is what's happening and you're gonna let it happen. And we're, we're the board. And you do as you're told this time, all right? And I was like, okay, cool, all right. So, but anyway, but, um, but no, look, honor's a good thing all around. You know, um, honor's a great thing, and, and I appreciate that. But um, I'm so glad it's not a church that only honors up. I'd never be interested in that. Imagine going to church where the only thing they do is ever honor the pastor, honor the pastor, honor the pastor. Like, come on, we're called to honor one another. Yeah, I get it. Scripture says give double honor to those who preach the word, all that gear. But it, that's not where it stops. It also says honor one another, all right? And so we believe in honoring each other, honor up, honor down, honor all around. Honor our connect group leaders. Connect group leaders, honor those in their connect groups. Honor our serve team leaders. Serve team leaders, honor those who serve with them, right? Honor all of our staff. And So can we take this, this um, opportunity on Pastor Appreciation Month to not just honor the lead pastor, because that's not in the title, it's actually Pastor Appreciation Month. Can you do me a favor right now and just thank and honor all of our pastors, all of our team here at Eternity Church. Just say thank you. They work hard. They love you. We recently talked. You know, we recently talked at staff meeting that we want to follow the example of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. And, um, and our team, you know, they're not here to, serve, to be served, but to serve, you know. And uh, they just love serving you, and they love you so much. And so if you see them at any point this month, any time really, honor should never be uh, restricted to a moment. It should be a lifestyle. But, but particularly this month, if you see uh, or get to hang out with one of uh, one of my team, if you could just thank them, honor them, buy them a coffee or something like that. Um, uh, they're all addicted to coffee, everyone except for Jenna, there's something wrong with her. Um, but everybody else on the entire team is addicted to coffee and, and uh, I know that they, they'll appreciate that. And so, you know, it's like a team deal is like, can we stock up on Friedrich's gift cards, you know? And so, um, and then I don't know what to do for Jenna. We don't even know if she's saved. Um, but, um, or she doesn't drink coffee. Like, come on, can we all agree that's odd? You know, like, anyway. So we're working on her and her husband, and we'll see where that goes. But, uh, but anyway, isn't it good to be in church today? 
Awesome. If you're new, my name is Jesse. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, my wife Lauren over here in the pink sweater uh, or jumper, as we call it in Australia. And if you're wondering who Jenna is, she's mine and Lauren's assistant. And so uh, she was. She might be putting in a resignation tomorrow. But um, so if you want to do that job, um, let us know. <laughs> so, but anyway, hey, we're glad you're in church today uh, with us here. Um, we just want you to know we love you and we're excited about what God. Uh, he's going to do in your life. Keep coming to church. Keep coming to church and, uh, and God's going to bless you. I'm just turning to Matthew chapter 28. Uh, we are continuing our sermon series, Walking Through Genesis, in Genesis chapter 7 today. Um, but today I want to start off by reading to you Matthew chapter 28. So uh, if you got that there, Matthew 28, we're going to read from verse 19 uh, to 20. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey some of the things that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Did you catch that I read that wrong? And teach them to obey most of the things, some of the things. Teach them to obey the things that everybody else likes. Teach them to obey the things that are socially acceptable. <laughs> nope. Teach them to obey all the things that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Praise God he was with the disciples. Praise God he's with us. Praise God that as your kids teach the world, make disciples, go into all the world, he's going to be with them too. Amen. Praise God. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you didn't set it and forget it. Create us and leave us. Speak to us and that's it. God, but that you are still with us, that your word is still applicable to our lives, that it is timeless, perpetually relevant, life-changing, spirit-restoring, relationship-restoring, family-guiding, God. Your word is incredible. It is impeccable. It is amazing. It was penned by men, but every jot and tittle was inspired and commanded by your Holy Spirit that it would be useful to correct, to inspire, to remind, to disciple, to discipline, to transform our lives. God, I thank you for your word. And I ask you to help me today to preach it properly, effectively, and powerfully. God, not that this, not that this would be a uh, <clears throat> demonstration of my skill set, but, but God, it would be a demonstration of your anointing and your power to transform lives, I pray. In Jesus' name, somebody say, Amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Come on, turn to your neighbor, give him a high five, and say, Are you ready to go all in? <clears throat> And you may take your seats. Man, y'all a bit rowdy in here today. Sit down down there. Come on. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, all right? We're all a bit rowdy up in here today, aren't we? Come on now, right? Y'all excited to be in church? I am. I am. I love what God's going to do in your life through this message today. Um, we're talking about going all in, but uh, the title of my message today is All In. Someone said again, All In. All in. Now, <clears throat> my teachers growing up said that I was easily distracted. Anybody else? Anybody else? Come on now, right? Easily distracted. And I like to say I wasn't distracted, I was uninterested. See, what you had to say was so boring, I had to think about something else, right? I got motorbikes at home. I got fish to catch. I got cows to milk. I got money to make. I got a wife to find. And you're up here talking about Shakespeare. I'm not easily distracted. I'm uninterested in this boring 600-year-old English lesson that you're giving me today. Not easily distracted. Can someone say amen? amen. Right? I just don't care about Romeo and Julio. I also don't care about Romeo or Juliet. None of it. Don't care. You will have my attention if you're not up here with all this Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo, 600-year-old English garbage. Nobody speaks like that. Romeo's dead. Juliet's dead. Can we have a proper English lesson, please? Come on, somebody know what I'm talking about, right? Right? Easily distracted? No, you're boring. That's what's going on right here. 
I'm not distracted. I'm actually very focused on something interesting, on something else. Come on, did I just help someone in here with a bad report card today, right? Come on, next time you, when you get to school, stop being distracted. I ain't distracted, you're boring. And see what happens. Lauren says I'm like either completely in it or I'm completely out of it, right? She's like I'm either hot or cold, fired up or uninterested, soft or loud, or, or, or I'm just all in or I'm not in at all, right? I've actually had to teach myself over the years how to appear interested in uninteresting things. Well, that's interesting. No, what's interesting is that you still find this interesting. But I'll say it's interesting, right? Come on, anyone know what I'm talking about right now, right? I'm like, all or nothing, and this is boring me, right? But honestly, sometimes being all in has been a blessing in my life. Sometimes being all in has been a negative in my life, right? It's been a blessing. I remember one day I decided to go all in on Amazon. I didn't have millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars, but I did go all in with what I had on Amazon. Stayed there for many years. It worked out really well and blessed us in our lives in many ways and maybe even helped us get through seasons as church planners where the church couldn't pay our wages, right? So that was good, right? Going all in was good there, right? If you went all in on Tesla, Amazon, Disney, Apple many, many years ago, it would have worked out well for you. Even if your all was small, your small all would have worked out pretty well, right? It would have worked out pretty well for you. On the flip side, going all in on Enron, not so good, right? Come on in here, anybody. It was a long time ago now. The shame of it is gone. But come on, can we have a show of hands? Who owned some Enron stock up in here? Anybody? Anybody owned some? All right, there's at least one liar in this place. Because in a room this size, somebody is old enough to have invested in Enron, right? <clears throat> but, uh, but if you go all in on the wrong things, it doesn't work out so well, right? And there's always some new fad, some new idea, some new get-rich-quick scheme, something going on that people just go all in on, right? It is my experience that if if all you ever want to do is invest and get rich quick, you might get rich quick and you'll get real poor real quick right after you get rich real quick, right? That's been my experience with people. Easy come, easy go, right? Over the last couple of years, a whole bunch of people went all in on Dogecoin. It's a cryptocurrency based on a dog meme. Sorry, bro, I ain't going all in with you, all right? Now, sorry if you're in here and you're like, I'm all in on that. Look, sell that garbage. It ain't going to be it, all right? Well, actually, don't sell it. You do whatever you want, all right? If it goes up tomorrow, I don't want to get sued, all right? That was not spiritual advice. It was not a word from the Lord, all right? Come on now, right? But like everybody's like Dogecoin. It's going to be it. It's, it's the one. It's the thing, you know? But listen, if Dogecoin was ever worth a dollar, it would be worth more than the entire GDP of China, Look, it ain't going to be it, okay? Come on now. To get to $10 or $100, whatever, it'd be bigger GDP than the entire world. Look, it ain't going to be it, okay? Maybe you'll make a cent here or there, um, selling it and buying it, but it ain't it. I, I know a lot of people that went all in on Dogecoin. And guess what? They either lost everything or they got the same amount now that they did then. Most of them lost some. What about, did anyone go um, all in? Did anyone have any friends who bought some Iraqi dinar? Come on, give me a wave if you have some friends who bought some Iraqi dinar, right? Do you, hands up if you don't know what I'm talking about right now. Okay, so what happened was when the USA uh, went to Iraq, a whole bunch of people were like, we've got to buy some of Iraq's currency. Why? Well, they're like, well, one day the US is going to float it and they're going to set the mark. They're going to say, all right, every dinar is worth this much. And if you buy one million Iraqi dinar at that price, one day it will be worth one million dollars. Look, it's still worth nothing. That was October 15th at 11.07. That was a bad investment. I've got friends who went all in on this. They're like, bruh, 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 you gotta, you gotta get some Iraqi dinar. I'm like, you know, I'm gonna stick with stock. It's gonna work for me, stock and real estate, those things. <laughs> I know that, that, that's kinda gonna work for me. I've got friends who've got hundreds, 
And I've got friends who've got thousands, and I've got friends who've got hundreds of thousands of Iraqi dinar. I've even got a friend who put over $100,000, Aussie dollars, into Iraqi dinar. Guess what he's got? Much less. <laughs> right? What about health fads? Did y'all go, do you, you know, in the US, in the 90s and maybe early 2000s, there was a lot of health fads going on, right? I don't know if any of you guys in the US uh, went on the, uh, the carrot juice fad, uh, but in Australia, the carrot juice fad, health fad, was really, really big deal, right? And everybody is buying carrots by the ton and just juicing them all day long. Every morning, I wake up to mom and dad. They're making carrot juice. My uncles, my aunts, my cousins, my grandparents, my brothers, my sisters, everybody in our extended family was juicing carrots and they were having carrots for breakfast, for morning tea, for lunch, for smoko, for afternoon tea, for dinner, for supper. If you're wondering what supper is, supper is the snack you have after dinner but before bed in Australia. And they would have carrot juice all day, every day. And after a while, when you drink too much carrot, do you know what it does? It makes you go orange. Now, it's not even a, it's not even a joke. It's not even a theory. It makes your skin turn orange. Yesterday after service, I was texting one of my cousins about this, and he's like, oh, yeah, Grandpa was bright orange, right? <clears throat> Our whole family, everybody turned orange. In fact, you would have met us, and you'd have been like, man, they're worth billions. This must be Donald Trump's Australian family right here, <laughs> right? We were all bright orange, right? I, don't, I know y'all say it didn't get to America, but I think it was just Australia and Donald Trump. We're drinking all the carrot juice, right? Come on now. We had that in common with them. <clears throat> and so um, what about hair loss? Did y'all, I didn't mean to stare straight at you right then, uh, Riley. <laughs> now I've hit them both in this service. Um, I didn't mean that. But, uh, but, you know, like there's a, in a man's life, he, um, he, he starts going bald, you know, not me. Got, I, I teased my dad last night, and he said, remember when uh, the young men were teasing the old man about going bald? I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that story. And, um, <coughs> but, um, but I got my, my mom's dad's genes, died with a full head of black hair. The Lord blessed him. And, uh, but anyway, I was, um, uh, in a man's life, uh, he starts to go on board a little bit, and, 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 and before the moment where he gives up, he goes, surely this is not God's plan for my life. That God must have another plan. There must be some uh, hair loss preventative action that I can take in my life to stop this from happening. Usually he discovers none of that works, and he just makes peace. He goes, well, glory to God, I've, I've got a crown on my head, right? And, uh, but before that, uh, every man starts to pursue some idea of how can I stop this. And uh, in our family, we had a family member that was really committed to not going bald. One of the orange people in our family was like, <clears throat> I'm not going to go bald. And, and, uh, and he was so committed to not going bald that he did every bit of research he could possibly do on the internet. But that was when you would, you know, you would type in, you know, how to not go bald. And then, and then, then you hear the internet go, for about 20 minutes, comes back with an answer, and you're like, that was the Lord, right? Well, this guy was Googling it, and he found out that there are possible hair loss preventative attributes in cow poo. So they started putting cow poo on their head. Now, you know you're an all-in kind of guy when you're willing to go out and collect the cow poo, cook it up in a family cookware, and uh, put it on your head. Right? Well, their head turned green, so now we had orange people with green heads. We literally look like carrots. <laughs> this is a 100% true story. I'm not going to tell you whether that was an uncle or an aunt or, or a grandpa or a dad or anyone. But hey, I get it. I get it. I get going all in. I'm an all in kind of guy. And if you're going to do something, do it, right? Like, if you, if you, if you, like, do you really care about your hair if you're not willing to try the cow poo? You know, right? Like, if you're not willing to try that, you really aren't all in, are you? You know what I mean? Like, come on now, right? Like, if you're going to try something, you've got to try it, don't you? Right? Because some things only work if you go all in, don't they? Right? Fitness. Fitness only works if you're all in. You, you can't be like, I'm going to lose weight on Mondays. Ain't going to work. I'm going to eat healthy on Mondays. Look, that ain't going to work. 
And then there's, other, there's this other idea, well, I'm going to do the 80 the 80-20 principle, which usually turns into the 20-80 principle. It don't work. You're either got to go all in or you've got you to care about your health every day of the week. You can't eat well on Thursdays and think you're going to live longer. All right? Like, like if you want to be fitter, you've got to go all in. Fitness only works all in, right? You want to quit an addiction? You can't say, well, from now I'm only going to smoke on Tuesdays. <clears throat> now nah, Tuesdays will become every day, right? Like if you want to quit an addiction, you've got to get it out of your life. You know what, I'm only going to get drunk on Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, and Sundays, right? Look, it ain't going to work, right? If you want to get something out of your life, you've got to go all in. Can I get an amen, right? Marriage is the same. If you want to stay married, if you want to be married, marriage only works all in, right? Like marriage only works if you're all in. You, 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 marriage doesn't work with a little bit of Monica in your life, a little bit of Rita. It don't work, all right? A little bit of Erica by my side. It don't work, all right? Marriage don't work like that. You know, if I want my marriage to work, I'm married to Lauren. If I want my marriage to work, it's only going to work with a whole lot of Lauren in my life. A whole lot of Lauren by my side. A whole lot of Lauren is all I need. A whole lot of Lauren is what I see. A whole lot of Lauren in the sun. Glory to God. A whole lot of Lauren all night. Nope, we're in church. A whole lot of Lauren, here I am. A whole lot of Lauren makes me a man. That's the only way that my marriage is going to work with a whole lot of Lauren and ain't even a little bit of Rita. All right? Some things only work if you're willing to go all in. Can I get an amen? One of the things that only works properly if you go all in is your faith. Obedience. Obedience and faith together, right? If I believe it, I'm going to obey it. If I've got faith in it, I'm going to do it, right? And faith and obedience, they only work if you go all in. In the passage I read above, Jesus said to make disciples, baptize them, teach them to obey all that I commanded you. Not some of the things I commanded you. Not the socially acceptable things that I commanded you. Not the things that are pleasant and fluffy and nice and kind that I commanded you but teach them to obey all the things that I commanded you. Can I get an amen? amen? See, as a pastor, I'm not the boss. I am under his authority. It's like the centurion soldier, for I too am a man under authority, right? I am under his authority. I need to submit, and I need to do what he tells me to do. And he tells me I'm here to teach you <clears throat> all that he commanded teach you to obey all that he commanded, not the bits I like, not the bits I want, not honor me, but don't honor them, right? Not, not, not the picking and the choosing, not the socially acceptable bits, but God gave me a job description. Win the lost, baptize them, disciple them, teach them to obey all of God's commands. All of it. Amen. Now, last week, Pastor Rob preached a great sermon. He mentioned obedience a bit in it too. And so today, this is going to be more like part two of Rob's awesome sermon, maybe a, maybe a follow-on from his legendary sermon last week on obedience. Today, I want to talk to you about all-in obedience. You could call that absolute obedience. Um, and I want to talk to you specifically about the five possible responses that we as believers can have to a word of God and how God will respond when we finally go all-in. So we're going to read from chapter 7 today, uh, from Genesis chapter 7. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to read from verse 1 uh, through to verse 5. But I want to encourage you as a family this week to go home, read the whole chapter. There's 24 verses. You can do, um, you can do five verses a night, four on the last, and you'll be able, after five nights, you'll be able to have read the whole chapter. You could talk about it as a family. You could pray about it. There's a lot more in it than what I'm going to unpack today. But I really felt, um, even before Rob preached his message, that this was my message. So it was just fantastic that that was his message. God knows what he's doing. Amen? But go and read it together as a family. That could be a fun exercise for you to do from now on anyway, right? Read a few verses every night of whatever chapter that we're up to. So Genesis chapter 7, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household. For I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of all the clean animals. Remember that. Seven pairs of all the clean animals, male and his mate, and a pair of the animals that are not clean, the male and his mate. Seven pairs of the birds of the heavens, the male and the female. 
uh, to keep their offspring alive on the face of the earth. For in seven days I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and for 40 nights. And every living thing that I have made I will blot out from the face of the earth. And Noah did all that God had commanded him. And Noah did all that God had commanded him. The five possible responses I want to talk to you about, right, in a moment. But I'm talking, when I say response, I'm talking about a response to a word from God. There's two types of words that I'm going to talk about right now. There's the logos word. This is the logos word. It's the written word of God, okay? And then there's the rhema. That's God speaking to you right now. Um, and, 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 and so, now listen, a rhema word from God will never, ever contradict the Logos word from God. You understand that? It will never, ever contradict the Logos word from God. So if you get a word that says, go and take another wife, if someone says that to you, nope, fail, it ain't the word. All right? A rhema word from God, God speaking to you, will never contradict the Logos word of God. Now, an example of the rhema word of God that we find in the Logos word of God would be Moses uh, at the burning bush, all right? So in the Logos, the word of God, the Bible, we read about the rhema word that God gave Moses when Moses is standing at the burning bush and God spoke to him and said, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go, all right? That's a rhema word. Now, a friend of mine, Heath Adamson, uh, wrote a book and he talked a lot about this idea um, how the bush is still burning. God is still speaking, all right? The rhema word is still coming, amen? God still speaks. Hey, go do this. Turn left here. Go forgive this person. Go buy this gift. Go give this gift. Go say hello. Go, go, go to church. You know, all these, God is still speaking, but no rhema word will ever contradict the Logos word of God. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> now, having said that, listen, God still wants to speak to you through the word and through his Holy Spirit. God still wants to speak to you. Now, some people in the room might say, it's been a long time since God has spoken to me. And when people tell me that, usually that means they're not reading their Bibles. Because none of us have an excuse to say, well, God's just not speaking to me right now. You have a Bible. This is God speaking to you right now. Come on now. This is God speaking to you right now. Amen. You can't hear God because you're unwilling to go and read God. Amen? Amen? If you can't hear God speak to you, you need to go and read what God wrote to you. Amen? You're not hearing from God. You're not reading the Word of God. God will reveal things to you, challenge you, speak to you through His Word. So let's assume that you're reading the Word of God. Let's also assume that you're spending time with God and he's speaking to you and you're hearing God and what he's saying. There are five possible responses to a word from God, okay? Yeah. The first possible response is this. It's pretty obvious. Outright disobedience, yeah. right? Not going to do it. No, 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 right? Yeah. Or just, uh, you said do this, I'm going to do that. You said don't do this, I'm going to do it. Don't touch the PowerPoint. I will touch the PowerPoint. What do you call a PowerPoint here? Outlet. <laughs> That's the word I was looking for. Don't touch the outlet. I'm going to touch the outlet. Is that not what you thought I was talking about? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we call them PowerPoints. Anyway, that was just like a, 10 years deep, and I still lose words and revert back to Australian, right? But outright disobedience, right? We know our kids... We've all got kids. We, we've seen outright disobedience. Noah and, I'm sorry, Noah, Adam and Eve, y'all, don't eat that apple. Don't, don't eat the fruit from that tree. The, well, I'm going to eat that fruit from that tree. Outright disobedience, right? Now, outright disobedience will usually bring discipline into your life, right? A lot of parents, if you're um, not modern and weird, will give their kid a smack when they're about to do something dangerous that could kill them, Right? Um, and so they're like, well, you don't understand no yet because you're nine months old, so I'm going to leave a little tap on a finger so you know that when you go near that, it's, oh, there's a consequence there. I'm not going to touch that, right? And so usually when there's outright disobedience, God will discipline us because as Scripture says, God, like parents, disciplines those whom he loves. Amen? So there's discipline involved in outright disobedience. Another option 
is partial obedience, right? I think this is what a lot of Christians do. We edit the Word of God. We edit the Logos and we edit the Rhema. God said, do this. We're like, we're going to sort of do that, right? We do a bit of, maybe not all of, right? Some people might say, some people might see all the different things that God says, do, 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 don't, don't, do, don't, you know, and we'll just pick some of them. We'll be like, I'm going to do some of what God said. I'll obey some of God's commands, right? They'll be like, well, I'm not going to be an alcoholic, but I will sleep around. You see, like, they're like, because, because sleeping around is socially acceptable, and this is, we're living in a, in a world of sexual liberal, uh, liberation, so, so I'm going to do that, but I'm not going to be an alcoholic, because, like, even, even the unbelievers think that's stupid, right? Now, don't get me wrong, if you've done that, grace upon grace upon grace, if you're an alcoholic, grace upon grace upon grace, if you've been sleeping around, grace upon grace upon grace, the question isn't what have you done, it's what will you do now that God has revealed to you what's right and what's wrong? Well, I want to put it to you that if today you choose to obey, your life's going to get better. Amen? That if starting in this moment, you're like, okay, God, forgive me. Tomorrow, help me stay the course. Then tomorrow, your life's going to start getting better. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. All right. I'm not here to judge you for your past, but only to show you where you're supposed to go. Amen. Another way that people do it is rather than picking and choosing what's right and wrong, they'll take the word that God gave them, the thing they're supposed to do, and they'll maybe modify that. Right? Like if we were Noah, it'd be like, well, God says, Build a boat that's 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. And imagine if Noah was like, hmm, it's a big boat. Yeah. Thought about 100 smaller ones? Right? Yeah. We can edit it. We're like, you know what? If, I, if I'm thinking smaller boats will work, God. You know, you got this whole seven of them. If we just did one. You know, like we could do small, a small, like one smaller boat or, or if you still want all that many animals, maybe we could do like lots of smaller boats. And so we get to work and we build smaller boats because smaller boats, we can hide them behind the palm trees so the neighbors don't see what we're building and they don't think we're an idiot. We're like, God, I'm doing this for you because God, if I build a big boat in a world that's never seen rain and everybody knows, well, there's no water here, there's water over there, but there's no way for water to get from there to here. So uh, if I build a big boat, they're going to think I'm an idiot, but, but really, God, they're going to think you're an idiot. And, and I don't want them to think you're an idiot. Right? And we do that with all different things in the world. Well, the world says this, and God, I don't want people to think that you're that or that you're against this, so I'm just going to maybe edit that a little bit. I'm going to change that just a little bit, just, just to make that a bit more palatable to the world, and we can start to edit it. And God says, take with you seven pairs of the clean animals and one pair of the animals that are not clean. Noah could be like, that's a lot of animals. Tell you what, God, instead of taking seven of the clean ones, you seem to be cool with just one pair over here. So I'm going to just do one of these as well. A male and a female of all the clean ones, a male and a female. Like we can edit it. We can take the shortcut. We can be like, people are going to think that I'm a farmer. People are going to think that I'm crazy. People are going to think I'm nuts if I have this many animals. I'll just do one pair of each. You know what? If, if, if Noah edited God's commands at all, it would have ruined everything. <clears throat> if Noah said, I'm not going to take seven pairs of the clean animals. I'm just going to take one. You know what would have happened? Our entire lives and everything we know about sowing and reaping would be different. Let me show it to you. Genesis 8, verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. This is after they come off the boat. Noah built an altar to the Lord, and he took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on that altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, in response to this sacrifice, in response to this gift, in response to Noah's generosity, right? God said, I will never, ever again curse the ground because of man, for even the intentions of his heart are evil from his youth, but I will never again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. 
If Noah edited the word from God, he wouldn't have had any clean animals. He wouldn't have had enough clean animals to sacrifice. And sowing and reaping as we know it, the law that God created, sowing and reaping is a law like gravity. If you give, it will give him, be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over and pouring into your lap. That would not be true if Noah edited the word of God that day. You don't want to edit what God has to say. You don't want to try and come up with a better idea. Like, I'm going to get married, but also have a little bit of read about it. No, it ain't going to work. Come on now, that, that ain't going to work, all right? And again, grace upon grace upon grace. How now shall we live, though, now that we know? All right, let's make better decisions moving forward. Let's not go against the word of God and expect the favor of God. Amen? Partial obedience is disobedience. And without repentance, it will prevent God from pouring out his favor on your life. So trust me, God's way is better. Praise God. Another response to a word from God. God speaks and we can have a delayed or even begrudging obedience. Y'all know the story of Noah? Uh, Sorry, of Jonah? Yeah? If you're new or... Maybe you just haven't been coming for too long. Let me tell you about uh, Jonah. Jonah is hilarious. Like, he's nuts. Nah, like, he's a prophet. He's got to be the worst one. (laughs) Like, for real. You think I'm bad? You ain't met this guy, all right? Let, 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 Let me summarize it for you, all right? God says to Jonah, Jonah, man of God, prophet, go to Nineveh. Jonah says, nah, I'm good. And, and Nineveh's over there, and Jonah's like, you know what? I'm going to go to Tarshish over there. Like, he's not just no, he's like, heck no. And he runs, H-E double hockey sticks, no. And he runs all the way the other direction, gets on a boat, and literally runs the other direction. How cute is Jonah? He thinks he can outrun God. He's like, no. God's like, gotcha. You know? Like, it's hilarious. It's adorable, right? This bloke thinks he can outrun God. Anyway, he's on a boat. God sends a big storm, discipline. And, uh, and then they have a chat with the shipmates. The shipmates agree, yeah, we ought to throw Jonah into the ocean. That'll fix this. They throw Jonah into the ocean. The storm calms down. God sends a big fish. Fish eats Jonah and, and, and then takes Jonah and baths him up on dry land somewhere close to Nineveh. Now, I know, I know, people are always like, Jonah can't be a real story because you can't survive in the belly of a fish. And I'm like, uh, but God? Like, that's the dumbest answer to that ever. You know, well, you can't survive in the belly. You know what? You also can't survive in a lion's den with hungry lions but God, right? And so God somehow protects Jonah from the acids in the big fish's belly, shouldn't have to say it because God, but then the fish baths him up near Nineveh and God says, go to Nineveh. And Jonah's like, whatever, fine. I ain't even kidding, right? Then Jonah goes, he preaches to Nineveh. He's like, y'all need to give your lives to Christ because otherwise God's going to destroy you. And then... (coughs) And then everyone in Nineveh is like, whoa, we don't want to die. And wow, we have been living bad. We need to give our lives to God. And they all repent and they all commit their lives to living for the Lord. And, and God, in response to their obedience and their repentance, says, well, I'm not going to destroy them all. And then they're all saved. The whole city gets saved. And Jonah hates it. Ticked off. Jonah gets so mad. In fact, after they all get saved, let's pick up here. Jonah chapter 4 verse 1, it says, and so after everybody gets saved, it says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly that a whole city didn't burn down. Jonah's like, God, I had my marshmallows and I had biscuits Not this American biscuits and gravy, but like English biscuits and chocolate. I was going to have s'mores over there and you had to go and save them. Right? It displeases me greatly. 
You know, Jonah is ticked off. He goes, oh Lord, is this not what I said would happen when I was still in my country? That's why I ran the other way, because I knew. I'm not even making this up. I'm reading it to you verbatim. Because I knew that you're a gracious and merciful God. And Jonah is ticked off that this city didn't burn and get destroyed by fire and he missed out on making s'mores. He is ticked off. And you're all like, what a jerk. What a moron. Why aren't you happy about all these people getting saved? Well, it happens in churches all around the country too. Oh, we had, oh, I remember back when we were 50 people. I used to know everybody's names and it displeases me greatly that I don't know everyone's names anymore. What they really mean is it displeases me greatly that I don't know everybody's business anymore. That's what they really mean. I used to be able to walk in the building and sit wherever I want, and now they have a thing on the screen that says, please fill the rows from the center. Please fill the rows from the center. And when I don't, an usher comes up to me and is like, hey, could you please move to the center just to make room for some of the new people, and it displeases me greatly. <clears throat> well, I remember way back when we were only 150 people, and Pastor Jesse used to come out in the lobby and talk to everybody after every service, and we all got to talk to him. And he was everybody's best friend. And now that there's three services and he loses his voice, he doesn't come out and talk, and it displeases me greatly. <laughs> well, a few weeks ago, we didn't even, he wasn't even preaching. We had a guest speaker. And when there's a guest speaker and he's not worried about losing his voice, he comes out and he talks to everybody. And I saw he was talking to these three new people, and I didn't even get to talk to him, and I am displeased greatly. Come on now. Come on. Right? Right? Listen, when a whole bunch of people give their lives to Christ, their lives are going to change and so is yours. Their world's going to change and your world's going to change too. Because some of these new people may displease you greatly by taking your seat. Get over it. Don't be like Jonah. Don't be the begrudging prophet. Don't be that guy. Come on now. Jonah, as far, as far as we know, Jonah spends the rest of his life this ticked off. Right? I knew you were going to do this. I knew you were going to ruin my bonfire. Right? Seriously, as far as we know, as far as Scripture indicates, we're speculating, but we, we, the last thing we check out, the, this, this is it, all right? Yeah, this is too good. City gets saved, blah, blah, blah. Later on, Jonah is sitting in the sun. His head's getting hot. Come on, the bold people in the room know what I'm talking about, right? Obviously, no one told Jonah about the cow poo because he was still bold, right? So Jonah's in there, sitting there. He's got a hot head. And so God, you know, grows a leaf for him. Obviously, it was a big leaf because it gave him a lot of shade, okay? And then a worm comes and eats his leaf. It's his favorite leaf. Like it's the leaf that's given him shade. And a worm ate it. And Jonah's response is, my leaf is dead. I may as well be dead too. Kill me as well, God. That's Jonah. And as far as we know, he lived out the rest of his life complaining about God, how God ruined his bonfire, didn't kill everybody, and a worm ate my leaf. Some dude from somewhere else in the world is coming to Nineveh to hear about a great revival. On the way there, he sees a guy out there, a bald guy, pretty hot, blisters on his head because there's no shade above him. And he goes, hey, bro, where's Nineveh? He's like, a worm ate my leaf. That's Jonah, right? Listen, what if he just said, yeah? What if when God, like the first time, God's like, yo, bro, go to Nineveh. He's like, giddy up, let's go. Here for it. What if he did that? I'm telling you, his life would have ended a lot better. 
Oh, a whole lot better. Come on, the sooner you say yes to God, the better the story goes for you. Look, God, God, God's going to have his way. What was God's plan? Well, Jonah even said it. Jonah said, I knew you're a, a gracious and merciful God. All right? Always, he even says, always looking for an opportunity to be gracious. Well, God's looking for an opportunity to be gracious. God wanted the city to be saved. What happened? The city got saved. God is going to have his way. What will happen to you on the process, though? That's the question. How you respond determines how it goes for you. See, he should have said yes at the start. He didn't. And then when he finally does do it, it's begrudgingly, right? But God doesn't like that kind of obedience. Just like giving. What does Scripture say about giving? God loves what? A cheerful giver, not a begrudging giver, not someone who gives under compulsion. I put it to you that God feels the same with how you give your time and, and your service and your life. He loves a cheerful giver, a cheerful prophet, not a begrudging one. Amen? <clears throat> I think that if Jonah had obeyed God and said yes quicker, I'm speculating, but I'm speculating based on information that I have seen and experiences that I have had because I've seen how God treated other people in his word that said yes cheerfully. And I've seen in my own life how God treats people who respond cheerfully. It's my best guess that if he repented, maybe even after the discipline, if he repented and obeyed God, and instead of saying, fine, if he said, all right, God, I open up my heart, change my heart, please. I want to do this, God. I want to serve you with grace. It's my best guess that the city that was going to burn but didn't burn because a man came and told them about the Lord would have honored and elevated him. It's my guess that they would have said, Jonah, the man of God, thank you for coming to our city. Nobody wants to come. Everybody's heard about how it's evil and how, and how we're adulterous and how we're cannibals and how we're this and how we've done all these evil things and everybody's scared to come here. But a man heard from God, was sent by God and said yes and he loved us enough to bring us the word of God and it transformed our lives and it transformed our city. Jonah, we want to thank you. We honor you. We want to give you a seat at the table. We want to elevate you and thank you for saying yes to God. It's my best guess that that city that, that was transformed by the power of God would have honored him, elevated him, and given him a seat at the table, and he would have died drinking Mexican Coke. Not this American Coke, the real stuff with the real sugar, not the corn syrup, come on now, with ice in it. And with like, like a building over his head instead of a leaf. The sooner you say yes, the better it's going to go. Can I get an amen? Another type of obedience is this, caved obedience. What am I talking about? Sometimes it gets weary between the go and the show. Sometimes you get weary between the vision and the seeing. Between the build the boat and the reigning. Old mate touched on that last week, didn't he? All right, 120 years between build a boat and it started to rain. What if Noah got tired halfway? Well, we'd all be dead. Actually, we wouldn't be dead. We'd just never have been alive. You know y'all are related to that bloke, right? What if, what if Noah got tired? And imagine if uh, 119 years, Noah's like, all right, clearly it's not going to rain. Tear it all down, boys. What if, what if that happened, right? Think about our lives. There were times when we were waiting for visas to come to the United States. It was a long wait. It felt like 120 years. It's a long time to wake up and every day check your email and there's no updates. Wake up, check your email, no updates. Wake up, check your email, no updates. And then it's coming time where you've got to quit your job over there because they need to put someone else in the position, but you don't even have a visa, so you don't even know you're going to get there. And you're like, okay, all right, well, what do we do? Do we give up on that? And you want to you say, all right, maybe that's not going to happen. I'm going to stay with what's comfortable. I'm going to stay with what I know, and I'm, gonna, gonna, I'm just going to do a good job here. I'm going to be a pastor like I'm called to, but I'm going to do it here. Right? What happens then? 
So often we cave in. You hear stories like, you know, don't, don't quit when the miracle's around the corner. Well, maybe the miracle's around the corner, but if I want to be honest with you, maybe it's still 129, sorry, 119 years away. Maybe there's 119 more corners you've got to go around. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But if God said it, that settles it. I promise you, God's going to do what he said he's going to do. You just got to stay faithful. You got to be like Noah, wake up and be like, we got 100 more, 119 more years of this, boys, but come on, everybody, get that gopher wood, put it together. And you got to wake up every day, more gopher wood, nail it together, more gopher wood, nail it together, go to bed, wake up, gopher wood, go to bed, wake up, gopher wood, go to bed, wake up, gopher wood. 365 days a year, 120 years in a row, you got to wake up and stay obedient, and that can get exhausting. Because we all want suddenly there was a miracle from on high. But every suddenly is usually follows, usually follows a whole lot of wake up, get some gopher wood, nail it on the boat, go to bed, wake up, get some gopher wood, nail it on the boat, wake up, get some gopher wood, nail it on the boat, wake up, get some gopher wood, nail it on the boat, wake up, get some gopher wood, nail it on the boat, and suddenly it started to rain. After 120 years, it's hard to keep going sometimes. But I believe that God sent me to tell you, don't cave in, go all in. Don't cave in, go all in. If you have caved in, repent. And I use that word intentionally. We need to repent because when we cave in, we're disobeying. Anything other than complete obedience is disobedient when it comes to a word from the Lord. So we repent and we say, God, I'm sorry that I started to doubt you. God, I'm sorry that I ran away to Tarshish. God, I'm sorry that I had a bad attitude. God, I'm sorry that I, that I was waiting. God, I'm sorry that I started to edit your plan. God, I'm sorry, but God, help me, strengthen me, refresh my heart. Help me to go all in with a good attitude all the way, all the way till the rain comes. Lord God, help me. Amen. Would you all stand up with me as we get ready to land this? I was going to say land this plane, but instead float this boat seems to fit better. <laughs> Dock this boat. Boom. Got it. Got my nautical terms figured out. Starboard. Starboard. Port. Anchor. Sorry, I'm just saying boat words, hoping people think that I'm smart. Did the opposite, didn't it? I should cave in on that, shouldn't I? All right. Can I have some music, people? Thanks, guys. The, um, I think there's a lot of people in here who are tired. And I'm telling you, you need to get out of cave-in. You need to get out of delayed. You need to get out of the begrudging prophets. You need to, you need to get out of partial obedience and go to all-in obedience. Go all-in. The type of obedience that says, God, if you don't come through, do what you said, I'm going to look like a fool to everybody in the world and also to half my church. Absolute obedience, all in obedience, absolute faith. That is where testimonies are born. That's where we get to tell people, like I know what it's like to wait 20 years for your kid to come back to the Lord, but they do. That's where we get to say, I know what it's like to go through, go through three bankruptcies before you ever find success in your finances. That's where we get to say, I know what it's like to be praying for your kid to, come, to get clean, and they're clean. Absolute obedience, all in. That's where you get to talk about how our marriage looked like it was over. But God restored. All in, that's the miracle zone. That's where blind eyes are opened. We think about the man, the blind man, and he had no, heart, no eyes. He just had holes where his eyes were. And Jesus spat in the mud, in the, in the dirt, made mud, stuffed it in the guy's eyes. That was cool. That was an encounter with God. God spoke. And God said to him, hey, go wash yourself in the pool of scent and you'll be able to see, the pool of Shiloh. And what that man needed to do was obey 
Before miracles, there's usually a faith step of obedience to God. What he had to do is obey. He couldn't go to the pool of not cent or nonsense or 50 cents. He had to go to the pool of cent, the pool where God sent him. Amen. He couldn't edit it. He had to go there. He couldn't just get some water somewhere from the pool and tip it on himself in private. He had to go wash in the pool. And that's where the miracle came, when he did what he was told. All in, that's where your daughters are healed. It's where demons are cast out. Finances are restored. Marriages are healed. Anxiety and depression broken off people's lives. Relationships restored. Blind eyes and blind hearts opened in Jesus' name. All in. I'm here to encourage you this. Do what God told you to do. Do everything he told you to do. Do it when he told you to do it and keep doing what God told you to do. I believe the main group of people that God wanted me to preach to and encourage right now as we get ready to close the service were the people who are sick of waking up and nailing more gopher wood to the ark. It's been a hundred years of waking up and nailing gopher wood to the ark. Day after day after day after day, and you ain't seen any rain yet. You got a word from God. Maybe God said something like, hey, you want a promotion? Get to work on time every day. Work hard every day. Honor your boss every day, and you'll be promoted as you promote your boss's vision. And so you say, all right, God, I'm going to do what you said. Absent of another word from God, this is the only word I've got. So God, I'm going to wake up, going to go to work on time, work hard. I'm going to honor my boss. I'm going to go to work on time, work hard, honor my boss, go to bed, go to work on time, work hard, honor my boss, go to bed, woke up, go to work on time, work hard, honor my boss. Now it's Saturday and Sunday, honor my boss anyway, go to church, go home Monday, wake up, get to work on time, work hard, honor my boss. Day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out. And it's not raining yet. Now you're tempted, should I get another job instead? Well, maybe I heard God wrong. Pretty specific. God's often specific. Don't edit what God told you. Don't give up. Don't cave in. Stay the course. Keep doing what God spoke to you. Maybe you got a word that if I just pray for my kids, they'll, they'll, they'll get clean and they'll come back to the Lord. So I've got to pray for them every day. And so you've been waking up. Maybe you've been getting up at, at 5 a.m. every day to pray for your kids. So you wake up, you pray for them, and you go to bed. And you wake up and you pray for them and you go to bed. And you wake up and you pray for them and you go to bed. And you wake up and you pray for them and you get a phone call. They've, they've OD'd, they're in hospital. They're, it looks like they're going to die and, and you wake up and you pray for them and they're healed and praise God and you wake up and you pray for them and you go to bed and you wake up and you pray for them and you go to bed and, and, then, and, and, then, and, then, and then you find out they're in rehab and you're celebrating and you wake up and you pray for them and you go to bed and you wake up and you pray for them and you find out that they've quit rehab and they've relapsed and they're back on drugs and they're back on alcohol and their life's falling apart. And you wake up and you pray for them and you wake up and you pray for them and you wake up and you pray for them and it's not raining yet. But God's telling you, keep waking up and praying for them. Keep waking. You may have been a hundred years. You might only have 19 left, but keep doing what God said. Because one day you're going to wake up and you're going to pray for them. They're going to go to rehab. And you're going to finish. And they're going to come home. And they're going to come to church. And they're going to stay the course. Because you stayed the course. God's going to do what he told you he's going to do. You've been waking up and praying for your marriage. Waking up, praying for your marriage. You wake up, you hammer some gopher wood on the ark and you go to bed and you wake up and you hammer some more gopher wood on the ark and you wake up and you hammer some more gopher wood on the ark and you go to bed and you wake up and you're hammering some more gopher wood on the ark and it's not raining and your heart's dry and the situation's dry and I believe that God's called me to tell you today to keep hammering the gopher wood on the ark. Just keep going. 
just keep going. Do it for your kids. Do it for your wife. Do it for your husband. Do it for the call. Do it for the Lord. He's chosen to partner with you to see their life transformed. Just keep going, amen? Just keep going. Because one day, after a whole lot of work, and a whole lot of prayer, and a whole lot of, I'm going to stay in this marriage, I'm going to stay up. One day after a whole lot of that, there's going to be a suddenly, wow, look what God has done. Amen. So I want to pray for people who are getting tired of waking up and hammering gopher wood on the ark. If that's you, why don't you lift up your hands right now where you stand. Just lift up your hands. You're just tired. And today, you're saying, I don't want to cave in. I don't want to give up. I don't want to quit. I'm going to wake up tomorrow. And as you lift up your hand, you're making a commitment to the Lord. And you're reminding the devil, tomorrow, devil, I'm going to wake up and hammer more gopher wood on this ark. There ain't nothing you can do about it. Lift up your hands. Come on, don't, don't be shy. Lift up your hands if that's you. Keep going. I'm going to wait for you because I don't want you to miss out on this opportunity. You're tired. You're tired. I'm going to pray that while the situation might be dry, the Holy Spirit will come and water your heart. <clears throat> Lift up your hands. Praise God. Now reach it up nice and high. Surrender. Say, God, I surrender again. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for every person in this room. I thank you for this word, Lord God, for the juxtaposition between Noah and Jonah and the incredible faithfulness and obedience of a man named Noah over 120 years amidst the most insane ridicule of the world, a world that's never seen rain, a world that's never experienced flood, and yet this man was faithful. Lord God, the, the men and women with their hands raised in this room, God, there is things in this world that's coming against them, trying to pressure them, trying to push them into conformity or, or push them into disobedience or push them to cave in and give up on what you spoke to them. And in the name of Jesus, I pray your Holy Spirit would come and strengthen the resolve in their hearts, strengthen them in their spirits, strengthen them in their bodies, strengthen their knees as they kneel down in your presence and ask for your help and ask for your power to move in their lives. God, strengthen them, I pray. And God, though, the, though the, some of them may be one year from the miracle, some of them may be one more, one more piece of gopher wood from, from the rain, Lord God. Some of them may be 119 years away, but God, I pray for all of them that your Holy Spirit would refresh their hearts. And though it may not have rained on the situation, it will rain in their hearts. Your grace. Your mercy, your power, your joy, your love, Lord God, I pray, would reign in their hearts and they would be wet in their spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray right now. Right now, Holy Spirit, touch them. Right now, Holy Spirit, touch them. May they leave this place again today knowing i got more work to do. i got hard work to do. But my God will come through. Because my God has never bailed on a promise. My God has never made a promise and not come through and he won't start with me. So I pray for your refreshing rain in their hearts and for strength in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody, do what God told you to do. Do everything God told you to do. Do it when God told you to do it. And just keep doing it. And just keep doing it. Can I get an amen? amen. Praise God. Amen. Hey, I do want to pray for one other group of people in here today. And then anyone, anyone in the room is welcome to come get prayer afterwards. But please stick around for a couple of minutes. I just want people to have some privacy and less distraction for this really important moment of the service. And again, if you want prayer for any of those areas or anything else in your life, come down the front. Maybe you just want to come down the front and commit to God. I'm going to start reading the Word so I can hear the Word of God. Amen. But whatever it is in your life, come down and get prayer straight after the service. Our team will stay with you and pray with you as the band sings. 
But before that, we do this in every service for 10 years, three times a weekend. So what's that, 156 times a year. So about a thousand-ish times, give or take, when we didn't have three services. So maybe nine, eight, nine hundred times we give people an opportunity to give their lives to Jesus Christ. We'll never not do it because he loves you so much. And we care about what he cares about and he cares about you. In Jeremiah, the Lord says that he has good plans for your life. He has no plans to harm you, only plans to bless you. Yes, God disciplines people, but he disciplines those he loves. Because what kind of parent is just like, you know what, go ahead. You know what, that was fun. I want to watch you stick a knife in an outlet again. That's not a good dad. A good dad's going to stop that. He loves you so much. He has no plans to harm you, only plans to help you become all that you were created to be. He loves you. And so I want to pray a prayer with you so you can give your life to Christ. If you give your life to Christ, you'll still have to do some hard things. But I promise you, your life's going to be better. Oh, your life's going to be better if you give your life to Christ. And um, if you're away from him, I'm gonna, I want you to pray a prayer with me. If you've never had a friendship with him, I want you to pray this prayer with me as well. Give your life to Christ today and let him bless your life. You don't have to do life alone. You don't have to do life tired. You don't have to do life wishing you weren't here. God's got a great plan for your life. Step one of discovering that is say yes to him. Pray this prayer. Give him your life. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.